Welcome to the Faith is Not Blind podcast. I'm Eric Devonier, and I'm here with Curtis Castillo. Welcome, Curtis. Thank you. It's great to have you here. Uh, Curtis, we'd like to begin just by having you introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your, your background, where you're from. Okay. Well, I grew up in Arizona, and I grew up in Glendale. And uh, when I was a kid, uh, um, my mom was baptized. Well, actually, before I was even, before I was even born, my mom was baptized into the church uh, in 1964 and then I was born and so uh, she went to church for a little while and uh, didn't she oh, I'm gonna back up I'm gonna back up cut that let's cut all that let, let me let me I'll come to that later so <laughs> so uh, I grew up in Arizona I grew up um, in Glendale and I grew up on a little farm and uh, as we I grew up I got into the cowboy thing did the rodeo thing and traveled around the rodeo circuit for about four years. Wow. What did you do in the rodeo? Uh, rode steers, and then I rode bulls. Wow. Had to practice on bulls, but I rode steers. And then eventually I got smart, got out of that, and started playing <laughs> in a country band, and did that for seven years with my closest best friends, and did that all the way till I was 21, until I went on a mission. But, but when I was a kid, I didn't grow up in the church, even though I got baptized in fifth grade uh, because my mom was baptized when she was pregnant with me. She went for a few months and, and then she quit going. And then years later, uh, missionaries came to our home when I was in fifth grade and they invited me to take the missionary discussions. They did. Hmm. And I got baptized and I went a few times and, and I always wanted to go, you know, through those, those early years. And I, even wanted to go into junior high, and I even think I went to a couple scout activities. And eventually, I just, I, I think I went a total of eight times, but I didn't know a lot about it. But when I was 21 years old, when I was playing in the band, and uh, six nights a week, I just felt like there, there's got to be more to life than this. I was kind of experiencing divine discontent, as Elder Maxwell <laughs> called it. I was searching, I was thirsty, but I could nothing could quench it hungry nothing could feed it and so but something deep inside I remembered um, the feeling I had when I was around people members of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints and uh, they just seemed happy content confident overall generally right and I just I wanted that yeah. and so I just had this feeling I should go see what they're all about and so I did went and uh, well, I actually called them on the phone and said, can I go to your church? And they said, sure. So I went. Uh, it was a singles ward. They just welcomed me in. Uh, the bishop sent missionaries to my home to teach me because I knew nothing. I didn't, right. even, wow. didn't even know what the Book of Mormon was. So, so your family then, you didn't have religious discussions in your home? No, no, no. And Our then even the friends in the, in the Western band, they weren't? No, no. Okay. None of them were okay. members of our church. Wow. None of them. Wow. I mean, they were good guys, but, uh, sure. you know, and our home was not, uh, uh, it, was a, it was a rough home at times, you know, a rough environment sometimes, and, and that whole, yeah. And so, um, anyway, so I was really soul-searching, and the missionaries came to my house, and as they started to teach me, I, I would just, I, I was, it, I, I couldn't believe what they were telling me, and and I learned about Jesus. I learned about something about him I'd never knew. I mean, I learned about Garden Gethsemane. I learned about him bleeding in every pore. I learned about his suffering. And I mean, I knew we had Christmas and Easter, but I didn't, I didn't know all that. And I was like, no way, tell me more. And what, what was it about that that, you know, was it about those stories about Jesus that attracted you to them? Um, 
the fact that he suffered so much and that he, I, I mean, I remember, I remember I asked the question, they even read the scripture where in Luke 22 where Jesus bled from every pore, and that just blew me away. I was like, I've never heard of that doctrine before, that principle. And I said, why did he do that? I mean, why did he suffer so much? Why did he go through all that? And of course, they said to pay the penalty for our sins and, and, yeah. uh, and our suffering. And, but then one of the elders, I never forgot, he said this. He said, he did it because he loves you. He loves you so much, Curtis. And when he said that, the spirit just came in the wow. room and I could feel that the Savior loved me. And I had never felt anything like that. I remember feeling something at my baptism. I could remember that. Yeah. But I never had that experience. And then so I was just like, what do I do? I can, can I get baptized? <laughs> and they're like, no, you've already been baptized. Yeah. Just go repent. You know, it's like, <laughs> and I was like, and, and they told me about the Book of Mormon. I didn't even know what it was. Wow. I just thought it was Joseph Smith's interpretation of what religion should be. I didn't know it was, yeah. you know, an ancient record of prophets that lived here in the American continent. I was like, tell me more. So they ended up staying there for hours, a couple hours. They taught me a couple of, I think two discussions. Wow. And so I was on fire. Yeah. Nine months later, so at the time uh, I told the band, we were playing six nights a week, just one battle of the bands. We were kind of at our zenith. <laughs> and I said, guys, I'm, I'm leaving. They were my best friends. I'd been with them seven years. Oh, wow. Yeah, and how did they respond to oh, that? Oh, they were not happy about that. Yeah. yeah, they were not happy. And I said, guys, I, I need to go on a mission for my church. And I feel very strongly about this. And they're like, what church? <laughs> 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 and um, so nine months later, I was in Washington, Seattle on a mission. How was it with your, your family? How, how was your, your, your decision to go back to church, your decision to serve a mission? How did they respond to that? They were not too happy at first. My yeah. sister uh, struggled with it. She, she, she took me out for lunch and slid some anti-Mormon pamphlets across the table and, and she started crying and she, cause she didn't know anything about her church either. Yeah. She just knew what people had told her that, you know, it was a cult. And so I read those and uh, I mean, I looked at him. I was like, no, nah, I don't need those. I didn't read them. I just says, says I'm okay, you know. And my mom was, she, she always wanted to go to church, you know. She was, yeah. she was, she was for it. My dad, he, he was frustrated. I was going on a mission. Uh, he wanted me to go to college, which I actually was in college at the time. Yeah, okay. That the missionaries taught me, and so. And then did that, did that soften over time with both your family and oh, your yeah. friends? Did it? Okay. It did. And what, why do you think that happened? I think um, what my closest friend, my closest friend growing up, Kevin, he said, we, I go visit him on occasion, and he says, this changed your whole life. He says, you, he goes, I don't know if you would have made it without your church. <laughs> <laughs> he says, uh, it's a, been a good thing for you. Hmm. And uh, he's recently been baptized in his own church, and he called me, he was in tears, to say, now I understand why, why Christ is so important to you. And I just, to hear that from him, oh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, wow. wow. So, Yeah, that, that's remarkable. I mean, it, it's a testament to, you know, your, your conversion and your living the gospel, right? That, that they could see the change that had happened in you, and that becomes a testimony to them, yeah. right? It helps to soften their hearts. Um, 
But, you know, oftentimes in, in our spiritual lives, there are lots of ups and downs, you know, so we, we, you know, we have these conversions, we, we, you know, maybe can follow that conversion out to a mission, serve our missions, and then sometimes difficulties come, and yeah. maybe actually all the time difficulties yeah. come. So how have you handled difficulties that have come in your life um, after your conversion? Uh, through the number one, I'd say two ways. The missionaries challenged me to read my scriptures every day. I immerse myself in them every day. I, I, I listened to what they said, and I began from that time till now to just read and mm -hmm. ponder and study. But prayer, yeah. prayer, talking with God, communing with them. And there's moments when I say, I, I, some of my most special moments is when I'm having a really bad hair day, and I just say, God, I know you're there. I know you love me. I know your son. I know I'm a child of God, but I just need to feel it mm -hmm. that you know me. And, um, and then I'm okay. And, and everything's going to be okay. And sometimes I don't, all I get is a feeling that he's heard me. And it's a feeling that's so big that instead of being outside of me, it's, it's in, I'm inside of it. I just, I know it's not just my emotions. Yeah. I know it's just not feelings. I know something's happening. I'm connecting and he's yeah. there. And the fact that he just listened to me, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm okay. <laughs> but sometimes huh. I feel like there's been a time or two where if I could put into words what he said, it's, you're okay. You're, don't worry. Yeah. Like when I was 30 years old, I wasn't married, and, and uh, I was teaching seminary full-time, and a couple guys at work would tease me at lunchtime, <laughs> saying, you know, you're a menace to society, you're never going to get married. And, yeah. and uh, I remember I went home one night, and I knelt in prayer, and I just said, Heavenly Father, am I okay? I mean, they seem to think I'm not, but and I just had this feeling, if I could put into words, it was, you're, you're okay. Yeah. You're yeah. okay to me. You just don't worry about that. that that'll, that'll, I've got that taken care of. Yeah, that, um, it's, it's a theme I've noticed in, in a few of these podcasts and in a lot of members that, that I've spoken to about uh, that personal relationship with God is so vital to our spirituality. And it almost sounds kind of obvious, but, but I think in some ways it's an easy thing to forget. And it, it can be, I think, at times a fragile relationship that, yeah. that if we're not careful about keeping that relationship up, you know, like with any relationship we have, that that relationship can start to feel distant. Yeah. Right? And then yeah. sometimes things can happen in our lives, you know, like, like you had mentioned about being married later. Uh, is, you know, is there another instance that you can think of where you, you faced some type of uh, some type of challenge or, or complexity and, and how you dealt with that? Yeah. So years later, um, it was during sacrament meeting. I'm married, got, have kids, and I was struggling. I can't, be, I can't remember what the struggle was, what the challenge or the hurdle was in my life, but it, a lot of times they would come back to, so because my mom and my sisters and I grew up in a home with a father that struggled with um, alcohol, that's a whole dynamic that to, to grow up in, yeah. that it's something that you have to deal with the rest of your life. 
and to in, in different ways it emerges, you know, even if you're just the child of it. And so, and other things, growing up in a dysfunctional home at the time, and, and uh, sometimes, I just remember thinking, why couldn't I have grown up, and I remember I was in sacrament meeting, we, we were taking the sacrament, and I just said, Heavenly Father, why, why didn't I have an opportunity to grow up in a home where the gospel was solid, where the gospel principles and the standards were taught, and where there was peace, you know, yeah. and love and all those things and, and standards that could guide us not. And I'm just wrestling through this thinking, God, why, why didn't you, I mean, that would have been so much better and that would have been good and that's what I, why, why didn't you give me that opportunity? Mm. And I remember the feeling that came to me was this, if I could put into words what I felt, it was, you know what you want, I know what you need. You want what's good, I want what's best. And what I gave you was the best. What do you, what, which one do you want? And I was like, <laughs> well, I guess I want what's best. Right. Well, what, what a powerful moment, right? That, yeah, And, and I think one thing that's beautiful about that moment is it says something about where your heart's at, that, that the Lord could say that to you. Uh, and know that you can kind of say, okay, this is my answer, and, and this is how I need to think about it going forward. Yeah. And uh, and wow, what a what a response to have, right? And and I think about that. So so my family, I grew up in a part member family, um, and then my parents were divorced uh, when I was young. And you know, I, I think about that going forward, and I think about you know my own family and my own children, and and kind of the similar situation to yours where, you know, one of the questions we have is, okay, so this is the family that I came from. And now the question becomes, as I think about you in that sacrament meeting, right? You've got your kids on that row thinking about, okay, so how do you pass along some of the things that you've learned about, you know, the gospel, about the church, about your relationship with God? How do you pass that along to your kids um, to benefit them in their lives, to sort of help them with the things that you've been through? That's a good question. And I wrestled with that through uh, through my whole marriage, through raising our children, you know, we're down to one child at home. And of course, through the, the way that I think every, most church members do, I, I tried to have family home evening consistently every week. And sometimes I was the family home evening <laughs> Nazi. My wife's like, don't worry, we're not gonna, <laughs> we're gonna be okay if we miss one Monday. Cause I was just so nervous yeah. because I didn't want to have happened to my family what happened. Uh, I didn't want to have happened to the, my present family that happened. Right. You know, I wanted uh, our kids to have that experience. So, so we'd have family home evening regularly. We'd have scripture study and we'd have family prayer and, you know, we'd go to church regularly and do all the things that we were supposed to do. And, you know, and it's interesting because, um, you know, I think it's year, years later when the kids move out or they're on their missions or they're married that they'll call back. And, and I don't know if they were always getting it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like yeah, I, know I do. I know they weren't getting yeah. it because they'll call me back and they'll say, hey, I learned this new doctrine. And I'm like, <laughs> I taught that. Yeah. I had a family home meeting. I even had a PowerPoint. Sometimes I even had PowerPoints. They're like, Dad, <laughs> you're such a nerd. But uh, yeah. 
so I, I tried that. But one of the things we taught our kids is be, I, we taught them, and I know Elder Hafen teaches this, that life is full of complexities. You know, it's yeah. been, you've been in the, you've been in the easy zone, you've been in the simple part of life. And especially before they went on their missions, we said, we just want you to know, it, mission is hard. My wife and I both served our missions. Um, and I said, it, it, and she says it too, it's hard. Yeah. But you work through that and, and just be prepared for it. And life is hard at times, but you just go forward and just keep, take a step into the darkness of unknown and then the light will come. You just keep going. Yeah. You yeah. just keep going because give it time. The Lord's always there. He's aware. And so I think that's how is just teaching and preparing them for the hard times, right. that, the difficulty. Yeah. And one of the things that's interesting about what you said at the, at the beginning of this podcast is uh, how when, when you experience something that might be difficult or challenging, that you rely on that personal relationship with God, mm -hmm. but you didn't say that God fixes any of the things around you, but that you can just feel his love. Yeah. But you didn't say anything That's at all great, um, about the external circumstances. And right. so when those difficult things come, what you have modeled, you know, what, what I hear from you is just knowing that, that God knows us and loves us and that helps gives you the, give, give you the courage to, to keep going. Yeah, that's insightful that you pointed that out because I hadn't thought of that till you just said that, that, you know, there are oftentimes, I always teach my students that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not insurance against pain, but yeah. it's a resource to go to when the pain comes. And the fact that just knowing that God is there, and when I feel that, and I know that he's listening, and he's aware of what I'm struggling with, I'm like, okay. I'm okay, and he doesn't always solve it, but that makes the burden light, yeah. lighter, I should say, yeah. so that I can carry it, and I can move on, and I can go forward, and wait till the answers come. And sometimes the answers come uh, in sacrament meetings, sometimes they come in personal scripture studies, sometimes I'm just outside walking around, and I, an answer comes. But it, and, and some answers haven't come yet, and I have a feeling they won't come till the next life, at least so far some I've been waiting 30 years yeah and that's okay because if I keep connecting with him and having that those moments where he I feel he's there I sense he's there I sense he's aware of me then I'm like okay I, I can hold off on that but when we get to the next life <laughs> just know yeah. I want to talk okay because there's yeah. some things I have you know some questions that uh, haven't been answered yet yeah. Yeah, and there's something, something so beautiful about that, that your, your assurance of his love allows you to wait on those things that you're not sure about, yeah. that you don't know, that those questions that you have. But because you've developed this relationship, you know, okay, when we get to the other side, if I can get a minute, I'm going to ask these questions, <laughs> you right, know, and I'd really right. like to know the answer. But, but that is uh, an expression of faith, right? It's an expression of, of trust. And, and that's a part of this, this mortal existence is developing that trust with God here yeah. and now when, when the only way we can access him is through prayer and through the Holy Ghost. And that assurance is what can carry us through the things that we don't know. Yeah, that, you know, what you said reminds me of 1 Nephi 11 where the Spirit says, knowest thou the condescension of God? And he's like, 
I don't even know how to spell that word. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you, what do you, he says, I don't know what, exactly what that means, but I know God loves me. And so what right. I do know sustains me in the face of what I don't know and what I don't understand. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Curtis. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thanks.